Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, June 7th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Arate. You can find us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as via Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, aside from the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast via Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, as well as Stitcher. With us today is Isabel A. Hermosillo, with whom I will be discussing her poem, In a Otro Lado del Espejo No Hay Nada, or There's Nothing on the Other Side of the Looking Glass, and my poem, Determined. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over some virtual events taking place during the week of June 8th. On Monday, June 8th from 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nuijunan TV will be hosting the fifth of its 20-episode The Nuijunan Wind Carriers Challenge, which is open to anyone to participate, but only indigenous youths between 8 and 25 years old are eligible for the prices, which includes a grand prize of a MacBook Pro. You can find out more information about it at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 644-547-309-458-680. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 644-547-309-458-680 from 6 p.m. Pacific time. Christy White and the Arizona State Poetry Society will be hosting its monthly Mustang Poets Open Reading and Discussion via Zoom. You can find out more information and sign up by emailing azpoetryorg at gmail.com. Again, that's azpoetryorg at gmail.com. From 8 to 9 p.m. Central Time, Frizzy Productions will be hosting his weekly Poets playground open mic via instagram live that's at poets underscore playground underscore again that's poets underscore playground underscore on tuesday june 9th from 3 to 5 p.m eastern time urban word nyc will be hosting its weekly first draft open mic virtual writing workshop and open mic series facilitated by Roya Marsh. This is open to those between the ages of 13 and 23. You can find out more information and register at urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. Again, that's urbanwordnyc.org forward slash first draft. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting its Speak Poet series via Instagram Live at Arizona Masters of Poetry. From 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Time, the Tiny Cover will be hosting its virtual poetry night via Zoom. You can find out more information and sign up at thetinycover.com forward slash events. Again, that's thetinycover.com forward slash events. 
from 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific time, Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop via Zoom. And you can find out information about that at meetup.com. Search for Chandler Prose and Poetry Meetup. Again, that's meetup.com and search for Chandler Prose and Poetry Meetup. On Wednesday, June 10th, from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern Time, Nguyen TV will be hosting its Nguyen Got Talent Showcase for Indigenous youths between 13 and 25 years old via Instagram Live. You can RSVP at Nguyen TV. That's N W E J I N A N T V. Again, that's N W E J I N A N TV. From 7:30 Central Time. Luya Poetry will be hosting its monthly open mic. You can find out more information about that at luyapoetry.com. Again, that's luyapoetry.com. Luya is spelled L-U-Y-A. On Thursday, June 11th, from 7.30 to 9.30 p.m. Berlin time, Berlin's Spoken Word will be hosting its Before It's Over open mic via Zoom. You can find out more information and register at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 695-105-987-722-962. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 695-105-987-722-962. You need to sign up before 7 p.m. on the day of the event in order to participate. From 9 to 11 p.m. Eastern Time, Spit That DC will be hosting its weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Spit That DC. That's S-P-I-T-D-A-T-D-C. Again, that's S-P-I-T-D-A-T-D-C. From 7 to 8 p.m. Pacific Time, Phonetic Spit will be hosting its weekly open mic via Instagram Live at Phonetic Spit. That's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. Again, that's P-H-O-N-E-T-I-C-S-P-I-T. From 9 to 10.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Kevin Wong will be hosting his Introverse Paradise open mic via Zoom you can find out more information and register at kevinwongcomedy.com forward slash shows. Again, that's kevinwongcomedy.com forward slash shows. Wong is spelled W-O-N-G. On Friday, June 12th from 9 to 10.30 p.m., Kevin Wong will be hosting another edition of his weekly Introverse Paradise Open Mic via Zoom. Again, you can find out more information at kevinwongcomedy.com forward slash shows. On Saturday, June 13th, from 8 to 10.30 p.m. Brussels time, Spoken Word Europe will be hosting its Common Words open mic via Zoom. You can find out more information about that at facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 183570 Four eight nine five seven two seven nine zero. Signing up starts at seven forty-five p.m. Again, that's 
facebook.com forward slash events forward slash 183-570-489-572-790. From 6 to 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, New Women's Space will be hosting its open mic. You can find out more information about that at newwomenspace.com forward slash events. Again, that's newwomenspace.com forward slash events. From 5 to 5.30 p.m. Pacific Time, Arizona Masters of Poetry will be hosting its Speak Poet Saturday via Instagram Live, again at Arizona Masters of Poetry. On Sunday, June 14th from 2 p.m. Eastern Time, Pure Ink Poetry will be hosting its Video Slam. To find out more information and participate, you can go to pureinkpoetry.com and email them via their contact form. Again, that's pureinkpoetry.com and email them via their contact form. And now let us welcome our poet guest of the week, Isabel A. Hermosillo. Hi, Isabel. Thank you very much for coming on to Poets and Muses. Hello, Imogen. Thank you for having me. Yes, it's wonderful. You brought with you the poem, uh, In al otro lado del espejo, no hay nada, or nothing on the other side of the looking glass. Before we get into that, I would love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm a Mexican writer, poet, translator. I've explored the arts. Uh, I also do, do photography. Okay. And in my exploration of the arts, there's always this theme, which is traveling, mm. either in physical spaces or through notions. Uh, I really like surrealism and how art can bend mm-hmm. the reality. Mm-hmm. And journeying is part of this bending of the reality, you know, translation also. It's going from one world into another. When you travel in physical spaces, you go literally from one place to another and get to experience a wide range of sensations and emotions. And that's where my art come, comes from, either my photographs, my writing, or my poetry. is everything based on how the passing of time influences on how we perceive things and and the impressions we get from those things. Mm, mm. Well, in that case, then 2020 is actually working in tandem with your ideas. <laughs> oh, you have no idea how my mind is spinning from 2020. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, yes. And, and you know, the, the idea of noticing how time influences in you not only when you get to go from point a to point b but but in the arts you know you can stare into a picture and be there in an instant or or even video games you know i'm a Mm. a big nerd i'm a big geek and video games are also like portals into a new space and many of them are filled with poetry Oh, hey. Also, yeah. Yeah, well, I need to play more video games then. I'll send you a whole list of amazing poetic experiences. <laughs> yeah, I would like to see that, but I'm, I'm afraid that I would just, like, dive into them and never come back out again. 
And that would be amazing. I'm trying to, but somehow reality always gets me back. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, you can't. You can't really feed your physical body just yet in virtual reality. That is true. And when that happens, Matrix will get to a whole new level. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I wonder. I mean, even though I was just going to to explore into the idea of virtual virtual reality. It's really trying to get you in there, but there's this sensation of the body not being all that into the game. You know, your eyes are there, right? But, but what about the body? I don't know. It's it's a it's an interesting perspective, though. I've tried some virtual reality sort of museum setups oh, where yeah. you can explore certain. Exhibits that you cannot do in real life because it would destroy certain artifacts. So I've tried that, and you do feel, even though intellectually you know you're not there, but the sensations are still there. The sensation of actually being in that space, even if the graphics yeah. are not quite there just yet. Yeah, it, it gives you that that possibility. I remember my first. Exhibit uh, of virtual reality. It was not my mind, but but another artist, and mm -hmm. and it was my the first time I explored that technology. Mm -hmm. And as you say, intellectually, you know you're not there, but your eyes are perceiving something, and your body starts to believe you are in there. And I remember this setting. It was a cliff. Mm -hmm. And the person was going closer and closer and closer and closer to the edge of the cliff. Right. And I remember my body tensing, like really falling into fear, into the fear of falling. It was it was a crazy emotion. Yeah. I was really amazed of, on how technology can can push us through certain experiences. Yeah. When it combines itself with art, it's so powerful. It is. It really is, and I think it also tells us about how we perceive things, because there's a feedback loop, a very, very strong feedback loop between perception and how our body reacts to that perception, even if it's not, um, you know, like you, the example you gave about. Not actually being in physical danger, but still feel some of the similar reactions as if you were or your friend was at a cliff. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and and it made me wonder of how much art and technology can begin to push boundaries together. Yeah, It's yeah, really interesting. And it also a lot of times it kind of makes me feel like, especially when we have these very surreal experiences like the pandemic i do wonder you know sometimes you have this mental exercise about what is our world our reality in relation to the larger reality because we're such a small part of the universe so i do wonder if we're part of just some elaborate game that the so-called gods are playing with us Oh my God! Isn't that a great plot for a sci-fi novel? Yes, yes. <laughs> I believe we're we're right now living some of the uh, science fiction we wrote, people wrote in the past century. 
Yes, yes, definitely. I, I definitely feel like yeah. we're being punked by aliens or something. <laughs> punked. <laughs> I love the, the verb you chose. <laughs> punked. Yes, we're definitely being punked. And, and well, what can we do but to try to make some art through it? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, at least us, that we like to explore things and the limits and the boundaries and, and art being the perfect vehicle to do so, I think. Yes, yes, I think so. And and since you mentioned art, I think your poem is actually a very good illustration of the feelings that we're having right now of being in this kind of very surreal moment. So if you don't mind reading that for us, then we can talk about it. Okay, definitely. So I'll start off with the Spanish verse. Please. En el otro lado del espejo no hay nada. No me encuentro ni la observación en los ojos, ahí donde siempre asumimos todos la mirada. Pienso en los rostros famosos de la historia. ¿Qué ha sido de las grandes cejas que fungieron como trincheras? Y de los ríos de bigotes de donde fluyeron tres peces sin multiplicación. ¿Cuántas cosas son rostro y en cuáles somos ellas? Veo líneas y trozos, arcos sin sobra y sombras que nacen casi siempre de las piezas. Las curvas de los labios casi siempre son tan notorias como lunas y las de los ojos encuadradas, como las ventanas que dan hacia el interior de casa. Dentro actúan en silencio las figuras que antes estaban. ¿A dónde habrán ido? Fuera. Los cerillos que no te molestas en contar saltan en chispas, brotan en llamas y se apagan antes de parpadecer. Te dijeron algo. Tengo tiempo esperando que el espejo me revele a mí o a la sombra que está a mi lado. ¿Por qué es el espejo humeante y quién es ese rostro que aparece? Nothing on the other side of the looking glass. I can't find a way to look into the eyes. There where we assume sight is. I reflect on all the famous historical faces. What has come of the eyebrows that once were as thick as branches? And what about the rivers of mustaches, where swam only three fishes without multiplying? What are the constituents of a face? And which of them are we? I see lines, fragments, arcs with no excesses and shadows being born within the credit. Lips curves are almost as notorious as moves, whereas those of the eyes are windows to peer into home. Inside, figures that no longer are shadow play, where have they gone? Outside, the matches you stop counting spark only to burst into a flame that perishes without blinking. Have they said anything to you? I have been here for so long, waiting for the looking glass to unveil me or the shadow beside me. Why is it covered in fumes? And who is that face that appears so sad? Thank you. Oh, thank you. Wow. Such a journey to read them together. You know, when you translate them, there is this space between the two. But when you get to read them, mm. like... You get to perform them. You know they're the same, but they somehow taste different when you pronounce them. 
They are. They. I. I do feel the same. Even listening. Even though I'm not fluent in Spanish, maybe it's the quality of the voice as well. Because you're so comfortable with the Spanish version, it comes out much smoother. And it's different. It's different in the English version because you're taking a bit more time. So there's a lot more. You have just like nanoseconds to sit on those each words a little bit more. So it's a it's an interesting、yeah. feeling the difference in both to read it and and to receive the reading. Definitely, those that milliseconds you you catch in my pronunciation, it's true because this poem was originally written in Spanish,、mm-hmm. and and it's an it's an exploration of many things that were happening at that time. It was a moment of of self identification. There's a lot of contemplation involved、mm-hmm. and traveling through time.、Mm-hmm. And when I got to translate it to English. It was difficult to catch the、uh, hidden things beneath words, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Those those things that are that are there, but not not actually in the words, but what the words are trying to to say. This、yeah. is one of my most surrealist poems, I think. Yeah. There's a lot of ambiguity. Yeah. Yeah. There is. There is. There's a lot of room for interpretation. And I was thinking how relevant it is to what we're feeling now, because reality has become—I mean, reality was never tangible per se, but it has become much less tangible now. And and、yeah. your poem has that feeling of it. It's like trying to trying to capture within your fingers, you know, like shadows or ghosts and the fumes, you know. The, this this aspect of the fumes, I it's a recurrent theme in my in my writing. I I love the smoke a lot. I like watching it. I like to see how it how it is apparently tangible when but when you try to grasp to it, it just fades. Yeah, this poem is a lot about it. Yeah, yeah, a lot of of the things we cannot grasp into. So it starts off with with the sight. With what we watch, as we were discussing in virtual reality, yeah, we're watching something, but we're not able to get a hold of it. Yeah, yeah. What you were saying? You, how long was it between? Well, I think you just translated it, right? Because I, <laughs> I was asking for your poems, and I think that's why you translated. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. This is a translation. Or poets and muses. Yay! <laughs> Feel so honored. Thank you.、Uh, at, I am the one who's honored. <laughs> no, this is cool. It's it's been. I think it's it's the theme of our relationship. It has always been an exchange, and I, I really, it's yeah, really wonderful.、Yeah. So, how long between writing the Spanish version until you wrote the? You know what? What's the time difference between the two? If I'm not mistaken, I believe I wrote this poem around 2016. Oh, okay, okay, wow. Yeah, so it's four years. 
Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Whoa, the vertigo. The vertigo of the time. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, so four years. Uh-huh. Four years have passed since I wrote it and then rewrote it because, you know, translation is all about rewriting Mm-mm-mm. things. Yeah. I know you write in both English and Spanish. Have you written poems where you wrote both versions pretty much around the same time? No, not really. I think when it comes to creating poetry, mm. it's sometimes I have the, the words of the feel of what I want to say, either in one language or another. Right. And lately, I've been exploring with uh, poetry with mixed language. Mm. It's been like this, this attempt to grasp in, into the naturality of the words. Mm. Because sometimes words just don't match or right. just don't get the idea of what you're trying to express. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I think that's the, sometimes both the advantage and the disadvantage of speaking multiple languages because then you get, <laughs> you feel that words in one language is inadequate to express certain feelings or certain expressions. Yeah. And then you start exactly. to, yeah, think in a hybrid, um, which makes it difficult for others, pe- other people to understand because you're like, oh, this is what I'm trying to say. You get it? And they're like, no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was thinking that when I was writing my first mixed lang- uh, poet poems, uh-huh. my God, it, it's already hard to find readers for your poetry. Now I'm making it harder. <laughs> now it's not only the topic, but the uh, the capacity of, of understanding in two languages. Yeah. Is, yeah. And that that's also a fun part about it. It's like, okay, so let's go find those readers. I'm sure they must be out there. Yeah, there are. I think so. And I think in some ways you are lucky because, you know, both Spanish and English are two of the most spoken languages in the world so in that sense you have a bigger audience than say if somebody was to uh, only write uh, in more obscure languages definitely that that is very true and it's it's a very interesting i think to explore i was reading this uh, mexican poets from the uh, border mm-hmm. they are in and I believe these girls live in Texas and mm-hmm. Middle Time, Texas, and then uh, Baja California, North, which is uh, part of Mexico. Right. And these girls write uh, Chicano poetry, mm-hmm. which is the combination of, of the two languages flowing together. Mm-hmm. And the music it has is amazing. There's yes. something about the uh, capacity of both English and Spanish to merge. That is a very, very juicy area to explore in the arts. Yeah. And eventually it will become a whole new language, right? Yes, yes. I, I think, you know, I don't think it will be codified like, you know, official languages like Spanish and English, but it's definitely, I mean, there's the there's that language Esperanto, which is a, a codified yeah. make a new language, modern language. But it has all the rules, whereas I feel like a lot of, for people who do speak both languages, presumably from a lot of immigrant families, 
they don't necessarily speak all at the same level of either language. So their their mixing will be ad hoc um, instead of like codified, instead of methodic, and you know. So, but but yeah. you, what you were saying before reminded me of the poet. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to her April twenty sixth that episode with Lydia Martinez. She she was very young when she came to the U.S., but she still she writes in Spanglish. So you know she she was talking about like her poem. The title is in Spanish called El Sacrificio de las Papas, um, but mostly is oh, well. the content is mostly in English, though she th- throws in some Spanish words and. She was one of the things because we we had a very long talk. I had to uh, unfortunately edit out some parts of it, which is a shame. She was talking about how she doesn't translate um, in her wow. poems, even though it, the poem that she read, in some ways, you can you can sort of understand just like just like you would if you were reading. A Spanish novel that had vocabulary that you're not familiar with, right? You could sort of understand the word by looking at the context, and and so so it's the same thing with her poem. Even though you might not specifically understand the references she was making, you know the Spanish words that she was dropping in, but you still get a sense of the poem. So it was really, it was really interesting to hear that and hear her talk about how she yeah. just, she does not translate per se. She wants you to listen to it as if, you know, if we were children listening. Well, she didn't say that specifically, but yeah. my feeling is like we were children listening to somebody talk, an adult talking with us because, you know, when you're an adult talking with children, you you will use words that the children might not understand, but they understand. They will come to understand it, yeah. Just the more they're around the language, and that's how we learn a language, you know, naturally. Yeah. So. Definitely, yes. It begins with a lot of intuition, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And I believe I haven't heard Lydia Martinez. I will definitely will hear her later on. Cool. But I think that's a very interesting approach to writing poetry because. Uh, at least for me, poetry is not always about understanding it, but feeling yeah. it. Yeah. And if you come to, to, to encounter this poem that holds two languages at once, and somehow you get the feeling of, of understanding, though you, you may, may not know the other language, mm-hmm. you still get to feel it. I believe that's, that's a very rich area to explore in the written arts. Yeah, yeah, I think so as well. And I also think that there is an assumption that prose is supposed to be more understandable than something like poetry, which is obscure, even if it's written in the same language yeah. as the the readers understand. I, I think. Yeah. I think we. Poetry is obscure. Yeah. yeah, it is obscure. Because we use more symbolic language. At the same time, I feel like there is an assumption that prose is more understandable, whereas in any language, in any word of any language, 
even if we're fluent in that language, the words meaning will be a little bit different between the speakers. There will always be some kind of conceptual gray areas. So, you know, if you're looking at something like political talk, for instance, two opposing parties could be using exactly the same concepts, but to justify completely different things. Definitely, definitely. There's a lot of intention and interpretation when it comes to use the words, right? Yes. The example you just said of two political parties talking about the same topic but going into opposite sides of it. It's very interesting how how the languages get to to be both clear and obscure at the same time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that's that's sort of the frustration especially when you're arguing with someone, right? And you're like, we're saying the same thing, but we mean completely different things. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, the frustration. <laughs> definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And I think I made a... I, I used a lot of obscurity in my poem to, mm. to try to make my reader wonder what was going on when the poem was being written. Yeah. Because you 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 write poetry too. You know that there's this this uh, something happens in the space in the physical space you're in when you're writing a poem. Mm. Things sometimes slow down. Other times time pieces off. Mm. It, it, it's always a different experience. Each poem is a different experience that you you try to to suffer into words. And the obscurity, at least for nothing on the other side of the looking glass, was definitely uh, a very important part of it. Yeah, yeah. I was wondering because all this time we've been talking about more conceptual <laughs> things and not your poem, <laughs> which we should. Because I, I have, I was wondering. There is clearly a lot of self-exploration in your poem. So what were you feeling when you wrote it four years ago, back in 2016? Back in 2016, that was a time where I was asking a lot of things to myself. Mm. I was in a very deep exploration. I even ended up in Nepal in a monastery. So yeah, the exploration went wide deep. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of questions in my poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the constitution of a face? Where have the shadow blade gone? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is that shadow? I think I was feeling like I was myself a particle of smoke, just mm-hmm. middle, like not all, all that into the time and space I was living, but something that was fading and revealing and disappearing and reappearing right. that is that is i think where where that co- that poem comes from right. and that's why it's asking so many things right. to the reader yeah. and to itself yeah yeah you definitely get that feeling there's a lot of looking backwards into I feel like into the historical of what makes you you, right? There's that aspect. Mm-hmm. But but then there's yeah. yeah, and and can you talk about that because you know you use this real language of of the 
the eyebrows and the mustaches and oh uh, yeah that was like my way of coming into terms with my idea of being a woman mm-hmm. you know at least in mexico women are not supposed to have facial hair that's frowned upon mm. and i'm a and luckily for me i'm a very hairy woman so <laughs> It was this struggle ever since I was a, a high school student that mm. everybody would look at me and I would have to shave off or, or, or one way or another try to hide it. And then it, come to, it came to my attention that many, many women in, in Mexican history are hairy women. Mm. I mean, we have Frida Kahlo. Mm-hmm. And she was known for her only one eyebrow yeah. and then we have other historical figures like like Colonel Amelia Robles mm. uh, and she is known as the first transgender known by the state mm. she was a colonel that uh, during revolution time she decided to be called a he instead of a she and so she became Amelio and he was a colonel Mm-hmm. And then we also have Sor Juana, Sor Juana Inés de la Cruz, which is one of my yeah. favorite writers in Mexican literature. Uh-huh. And she would disguise herself as a male to attend to school mm-hmm. and learn how to write. She eventually went into the convent to be a nun and be able to write. But yeah. but there's this this fight. I mean, there's this this poem tries to to go back into historical figures to recall what is me now and where do I come from. Right. And I feel like there's a chronology to your poem, right? In the beginning, it was a historical looking backwards. But towards the end, you, it, it seems like you are transcending the physical and looking at what makes you yeah. you beyond the physical. Yeah, definitely. Especially this, this part of, uh, I will I will say it in Spanish, mm-hmm. which is, Tengo tiempo esperando que el espejo me revele a mí o la sombra que está a mi lado. ¿Por qué es el espejo humeante? ¿Y quién es ese rostro que aparece? Mm-hmm. All of this, it's actually going even further into history. This is a reference of a Toltec mm-hmm. god in, named Escatlipoca, which is this multifaceted god of the... Uh, as I said, Toltec mythology. Mm-hmm. He, he's always depicted depicted uh, carrying a smoky mirror mm. where, where he would confuse its enemies. And he himself has a lot of, of depictions. He had many faces. He had many forms. Mm-hmm. And he was always covered in fumes. So it's one of my favorite gods of the Toltec mythology, definitely. <laughs> and it's uh, like my... I, this that that last part of the poem was my uh, how do you say homenaje homage oh yes 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 homage actually it is exactly homage. that there you go yeah well, that's really cool I love talking with poets it's really nice to see because obviously for me who's not as familiar with Mexican history and and also Mesoamerican history I did not. Uh, get that reference until you told me and it's really cool because unfortunately through colonialism both north and south of the border there has been a lot of ignorance of mesoamerican history 
And even even here in Mexico, we don't get to to look a lot into our our wide spectrum of goddesses and goddesses from all the different cultures that we have. So that's also something that I like to explore, especially because when I was a teenager, I really got into Mexican history. I, mm. I was obsessed with it. I wanted to be something like this video game character named Lara Croft, and she's an archaeologist. Oh, yeah. So I wanted to be <laughs> an archaeologist myself. And, and, and I got a lot of, fortunately for me, my mom always gave me books that talk about those topics. And, and mm. I like to go there when I write. I mm-hmm. like to go and and, cla- and 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 touch even if it's only for for one or two lines in a poem. I like to 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 use that mythology, which is filled with symbols and and meaning. Yeah. It's very rich. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I have to go look it up. I was just thinking yesterday about there's a very good collection of Mesoamerican artifacts in Washington, D.C. And I remember the last time I visited, which was like years ago, I wasn't able to finish it because there's so much of it. It's not, physically, it's not uh, immense, but there are many, many little pieces, you know. And there's always, yeah. always such a rich description to each museum exhibit. I would never take people with me to museum exhibits because I just totally get into reading, reading every description. <laughs> Definitely. I, I, those are very personal experiences, I agree. <laughs> yeah. There's a pacing to it. Sometimes you want to go fast and sometimes you can go super slow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I feel like when you have the information at your fingertips, as you do when you're at a museum, because somebody put in the time to study it and to give you history and it's correct information, it's not just anecdotal. You kind of owe it to yourself and owe it to the other people's work, to their efforts to read that because you never know. yes. Yeah, you never know when you're going to go back to it and you, when you might reference it. So I, I always like to just pay attention. You kind of want to know, oh, why why did they make that? Why, you know, how did it come why about? Why is this here? Why is it important? What's the story behind it? Yeah. yeah. I'm also very curious when I'm at exhibits. Yeah. I, my friends don't like to go with me and I'm very <laughs> grateful they don't because I can be there for hours and never mind it because besides I'm the I'm the freak that takes notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm the girl who's there taking notes and oh my god, this is so interesting and my friends so like you're not Lara Croft, stop it. Stop it. We <laughs> have to go with food when you have historical artifacts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's amazing because you have all this treasure of information that you know, you can exactly. store into your head and and it's really amazing to be able to be there. And then when you don't have friends with you who are rushing you, then you can truly enjoy it. You know, you can take your time rather than feeling... Sometimes I feel guilty, you know, like if I'm with someone who's not as interested. You know, I could, I could see. Yeah, you start feeling bad. Yeah, yeah. You're like, oh, I'm taking too much time, but you're like, but I want to read this. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. But I desperately need to know this thing I didn't knew I needed to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> I really loved your poem. I love the obviously before you explained it to me from what I saw was very obvious historical references,、um, but now even more so. You know, now that you explained it, I, I really appreciate it. And and that's kind of why I chose my poem. I think it's within the last week that I wrote it. Wow! So it's recently out of the open. Yeah, very very recent. Because I was thinking about writing another poem about my grandmother. I'm going to read that. Very good, and and I actually get to read it before you guys who are hearing us, and it it's it's a very nice, also kind of historical poem that that、yeah. travels into what where do I come from, right? It appears to be the question for this poem. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely that very similar theme of examining the where, like both physical and also psychological,、um, like、yeah. uh, heritage. So、uh, I'll read that now. It's called "Determined." I come from a stock of stubborn women. Those who will forego comfort for their ideals, those who keep eyes on goals and cannot be distracted by interference. My matron lineage courses through our clashes, a multi-generational pursuit of unwavering targets, our double X's, and impenetrable defense against naysayers seeking to persuade a deviation from that set path. We chose, determined to be recognized for our worth, demanding high standards, knowing they are warranted, though they may pave solitary roads between kindreds. We know the right ones will find us. Clapping. Clapping. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank I love you. that poem. Thank you. It's it's very strong. I love how strong it is. It's a declaration. Yes. Of yes. power. Definitely a lot of declaration. There's a lot of insubordination to it. Yeah, definitely. I love the、uh, our double X's and impenetrable defense. I absolutely love how you take this biological theory of the X and Y and you create. A war statement, almost. So、mm-hmm. this is an impenetrable defense. This is how we stand from the fact of being women,、mm-hmm. uh, and I think it's right there in the title,、mm-hmm. Imogen.、Yeah. You're determined to to be clear about it. Yeah, yeah. I constantly react to what's going on in the world, as we all do, right? But especially politically speaking, because I feel like. We are going backwards, not just because of who we've elected, but also of the next election and who is likely to be elected. And it's very frustrating because I feel like women are always left out, and sometimes those who are keeping the women out are women themselves. Yeah. And even though I personally do not believe in any kind of requisite. Solidarity between women, because it's it's not fair. Because we're not the same. 
Yeah. So we're not going to always think alike. At the same time, you can't help but feel a sort of disappointment because in some ways, women as a class of people are being discriminated yeah. against. So, so there is that frustration and, and I think that's still in the background of what I've been writing, even if I'm not directly addressing that particular topic. Yeah, but it's part of the obscurity we were talking about. You have to address it all uh, up front. This is not an essay, but it's an exploration maybe of, of the sensation you're feeling about it, right? Yeah. About that topic. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was talking with another poet about an interview, and I was thinking of writing another poem about my grandmother, and this is what came out. So it's wow. yeah, and this is not quite about her because it doesn't really go into details about her, but it kind of made me think of the women in my family. Yeah, especially in the first line. Yeah, I come from a stock of stubborn women. I mean, yeah, that's if if if, if not if you're not saying maybe the name of your grandmother or or, or even the word grandmother. Yeah. It creates something even more powerful. It's the whole lot of women behind you that got you to this point. And definitely grandmas are a major piece. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. In looking at your poem as well, I feel like, you know, if if we don't tell each other the story behind our poems, just because I say a stock of stubborn women doesn't mean they have to be related to me. So it could just be, as you said, just examples of historical women. Yeah. Like your references to the heroines of the of Mexican uh, history. They don't, are yeah. not necessarily related to you by blood, but part of who you are come from knowing about them. Exactly, exactly, and what and what they have said for you. Yeah. Because they have said something. It would be impossible for me to let my mustache grow mm. if it wasn't for for Frida Kahlo and many others before me and her who were brave enough to say, "Hey, women have facial hair." Right. Face it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And that it's unfair for us to live by certain standards that are not required of the men. And exactly. Yeah. You picked up on the double X's and impenetrable <laughs> defense. I feel like, you know, because I use defense, I don't say offense, you know, because we have to fall back on because we keep being yeah. pushed back. Oh my God, yes. You see, just one word containing so much of the entities of the poem. Yeah. But that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. And that is the turning point of the poem as well, because in the beginning, it was looking more within, like, where do I come from? But then and the turning point of the double X's, and then it goes into how this is who I am, and this is who I want to be. There's a sense of choice. Yeah towards the end and I definitely yeah and, and I wanted to to highlight that this uh, there's a particular stanza in your poem that that really echoed in me 
uh, in one experience that I had this year, which was the uh, March 20, March 20, mm -hmm. uh, historical march we had in Guadalajara, oh, okay. the, the, the uh, feminist march. Mm -hmm. It was historical in Mexico because there were triple the attendance we've ever had in a march, in the March for Women. Mm. And, and everything about this stanza just echoed of the experience that I had, our double X's and impenetrable defense against men, naysayers, mm -hmm. seeking to persuade. There was this moment in the march where there were men throwing lacrimogenous gas to us. And Wait, it was did like, you say mustard gas? No. What kind of mustard gas? gas? There you go. Yeah, they they threw mustard gas at us, and instead of of fleeing and running away and and being frightened about it, uh -huh. uh, we were so organized that we instantly uh, form our defense again and protected the little girls that were on the march because there were there were Imogen, there were grandmothers, there mm -hmm. were. Later's lady messes you would see in the supermarket and never guess they would go on a march. Mm -hmm. But there were so many women from different backgrounds that it was very moving and mm -hmm. it was very strong. And I think we were very determined to make a statement. And mm -hmm. that stanza of your poem, it reminded me of it. <laughs> yeah, thank you. I really appreciate that. Over the past two years, you know, like with all these things like Me Too going on, but also also over the last, well, centuries, decades, whatever, you know, like all of these horrible, <laughs> yeah. horrible cases of uh, violence toward women that's yeah. not being addressed. And even now it's with what's going on, you know, from, from my side, the... Um, what's going on with the Democratic Party, how they're handling the fact that the, their nominee is facing this credible accusation of rape. And it's the women wow. who are coming out to say, oh, no, he's such a good character. He's such a this and that. And I'm just like, how can you? Yeah. And, and a lot of these women, um, they got a boost to their power or they got elected because of women. Because of other women who supported them. So I feel like there is a real exactly. betrayal. And I think that echoes in, in this, we know who the right ones will find us. I think there is it's precisely of what you're talking about. There's even within the, between, uh, amongst the range of women, these women who apparently are still not up to date to what's been happening and are still insisting on those kind of attitudes as to say this is a nice guy don't don't let don't let him be so bruised like this i don't know <laughs> yeah no, i'm just rambling no no i i that's exactly it it's like the women are suddenly instead of protecting other women they're like oh this little boy kind of thing even though he's not a little boy he's a grown man he's a grandfather he should know better he's had many different chances at improving himself which he never took i mean even last year he was being even before he entered the race there were accusations of inappropriateness 
and I just it really is just incredibly disappointing at how um, these women yeah. are using their um, protective nurturing qualities or to protect him of all people you know to not it, it's exactly and and I'm I'm not one of those people who say okay if a woman come out and accuse someone we should just take that as fact I think we need to investigate I think it's only fair for everybody involved to investigate yeah but they're not saying that and I feel like they are doing it not necessarily because of some kind of altruistic mothering nurturing instinct so much as for political gain yeah and I hate um I hate seeing something like that because then an entire class of citizens, women, uh, are are being discriminated against because of those actions, because exactly. they are becoming hypocrites, you know, in in what they're doing. Exactly. Yeah. So. so yeah, and and it and it sets a crack in what we have achieved so far, right? It's like ah. Yeah, and it's in, it's in the no no it's it's exactly like you said and one of the things i wanted to mention is because there were there were people who are who were prominent feminists who were doing similar things you know making rationalizations for for him um they're they're you know because the, the fear of what might happen if he was not elected you know, like Gloria Steinem, Steinem, for instance, was basically kind of pushing away these accusations rather than being the strong feminist that she's lived as for wow. the past wow, I was, five decades. I was not aware of Gloria. Yeah. Wow. And then organizations like Planned Parenthood that's supposed to be all for women's rights. They've stayed silent. A lot of these organizations, even the organization Times Up, was not as helpful because there were some political. Because yeah. one of their uh, the organizations that they work with, which is a public relations firm, one of the founders is or one of the partners is actually works for his campaign. So these are all so breaking down in political interests rather than saying this is the standard, you should investigate this, we need to have a formal investigation. Instead of calling for that, they are behaving like the way that they accused the Republicans of doing yeah. a year ago or two, yeah, a year ago. It was it two years ago? I, I can't remember. It's like so. Well, time, time, time is weird. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And 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 so that's been to me has been the major disappointment in how they are trying to persuade us to let go of our standards when is political politically convenient. That must be a hard blow to take in. Yes. Because. Yeah. Because uh, what we have achieved so far, it's not been easy to achieve. So, no. so this feels like going back a couple of steps. And we recognize our worth, demanding high standards. We will settle, settle for nothing less. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, I mean, I understand why people are acting out of fear because there is a lot to fear. 
but I don't think we are making good choices or even logical choices. You know, like, yeah. you know, you morals aside. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, and, and, and fear is never a good place to take to make decisions from. No, no. Uh, it, it should never be the place where, where to, to the, 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 the starting point, well, put it one way. Yeah, yeah. I'm still reeling, just like still thinking about the revelation that you gave me about your poem about the the Toltec god it's funny because you remember when i was saying about lydia martinez's poem yeah she also made a reference to another Toltec uh, well not i don't know if he's Toltec or aztec um, uh, then don't worry about it there are so many different cultures in the in in that area that it's easily to get misled. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, there definitely is. But this one is the the Shipe, uh, Totec. It rings a bell. Right? Yeah, the one that celebrates spring, the one that took his skin off to wrap, uh, Earth. Ah, it's yes. Shipe something, cause yes. So she makes reference to that. So, so it's really. It, so it's kind of funny that, you know, we've been talking, I told you about her poem and our talk, and, and then again we go back to, of course, she's also, she's Mexican-American, so she definitely has reference similar history as you. But yeah, it, it's, it's incredibly... I'm trying to remember the name. I, I'm sorry, I, I, got, I got lost in the sound because, you know, when you have this, you're ready, you're, you're sure you know what what the other person's saying, but you just don't get a hold of it. Mm -hmm. That's how I am right now. Sorry, <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> no, 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 that's fine, that's fine. But yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting because there is a lot of talk about how America's, you know, the, both the North and South continents of, of American continents are young, right, in, in terms of history, but that's not true because there's been a lot, a, a long history of human occupancy here. Uh, it's just that we ignore them because of colonialism. And so, so there is a lot of information to draw from that we're just ignoring. Definitely, and, and, and being capable of looking back in time Either if you want to explore what your grandmother taught you or where where is the origin of you as yourself, there's a lot of interesting things to go into. And Shipetotec, I got it. It's yeah. Shipetotec. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, Shipetotec. Oh my God, yes, this is Aztec, Aztec mythology. Yeah. So. Ah. Sorry, no, I no, got lost in the name. <laughs> no, that's fine, that's fine. Because Lydia is, um, come from, um, she has indigenous culture in her background. And it plays a major part in her life. And so she was referencing the Aztec god. So it was really very eye-opening. And I, I always love that, so... <laughs> Uh, it's always interesting to go back into the origin gods and goddesses from the different cultures that yeah. we have such a variety 
Yeah. Right? Yes. yes. So many. It's, it's impossible to know them all. Yeah. 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 And I think it's just amazing. There's just so much rich history to draw from, especially as artists, right? And as poets. Yeah. There's yeah. So, so many different inspirations. Yeah, and, and it would take you more than one lifetime to read all the things you want to read. And that's a statement made by Sor Juana in one of her poems. But, mm -hmm. I think I but read yes. some of her stuff a long time she ago. She is amazing. Mm -hmm. Oh, she's, she's definitely amazing. If, if you can read her in Spanish, mm -hmm. there's some music and a metrical perfection that few poets in these times could even aspire right yeah like he said there's just so much you know there's so much human creation so much human culture that would take or like sirwana said so so much time to know you know like when you said that i was thinking of uh, the matrix of how you know you can just upload information and I really yeah. want to do that. I really want to be able to do that. <laughs> imagine, imagine the possibility. <laughs> yeah, that would be uh, that would be so wonderful if we could actually just did that, because then I think we maybe will make well, hopefully less less ignorant decisions. But who knows? I think I think hopefully yes. <laughs> I I think what's the problem with humanity is not a lack of knowledge that's around, especially in this time and age, because, you know, internet is much more accessible than, like, libraries. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. But it's, it's our unwillingness to go and read those things and learn those things and yeah you know rather yeah we become dependent right because we we rest assured that if you want some information there's the internet you can have it just google it and we're losing this aspect of really getting to make yours to make knowledge knowledge yours like making it a part of what you do who you are and and that's one of the main reasons that I like to recall these gods and goddesses and historical figures in, in my writing. Mm, mm, because it's like acknowledge they were there before me. And mm. I get that feeling from your poem as well. Yeah. From, from calling these stubborn women and this matrilineage. And I think it's, it's a very important and amazing part of, of the writing process to recall those before you. Yeah, yeah, and to, in a way, to thank them, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. to pay homage, homage yeah. to them. Yeah, absolutely. I really appreciate our conversation, but um, in closing, I want to ask you, I don't know if you're doing any readings virtually. If you are, please let us know, and also, how do people follow you? I've been a little bit lazy on that regard this year, but... <laughs> I am posting uh, sometimes in my Medium page. Okay. Uh, my Medium is just Isabel. 
a Hermosillo, which would be Isabel.ahermosillo. Okay. That's how you would find me in Medium. Okay, great. And that's where I put most of my things. And there are a lot of, well, not a lot of, I wish, but some publications online, like this poem we just read today, Al Otro Lado del Espejo. It's published in a Mexican digital magazine right, named right. Imen. Oh, so okay. if you look for Imen with an H at the start, you will find my poem and another bundle of amazing poets. Cool. Mexican mainly. Yeah. So yeah, I can I can write this information to you so you can share them with Please. with our listeners. Yes, yes, absolutely. Because there's a visual element to your poem as well. So I would love to for people to see your poem. Um, and then do you want to give us your social media information? Yeah, definitely. So you can find me in Twitter as, what do you say, Adoba. Oh my God. You know, sometimes translators have these struggles that you start to forget. I know. Words. <laughs> so you become bilingual instead of bilingual, like bi. <laughs> Don't forget me. It's horrible. It's okay. So you can find me in Twitter as Isabelucci with a double C at mm -hmm. the end. Mm -hmm. And I'm again writing this to you. Mm -hmm. Or Isabel A. Hermosillo in Facebook. So okay. yeah, that's that's the, the places I'm, I'm lingering and sharing my poetry and, and, the, and my photographs every mm -hmm. once in a while. Cool, cool. Instagram is Isabelucci as well. Ah, this okay. time with double S and C. Oh my God, I'm a mess. <laughs> I, should, I, should, I should put things more homogeneous, you know? Like. <laughs> no, it's fine, it's fine. But anyway, I really, no. really appreciate uh, us finally talking about our poems together. It's, it's, yeah. it's been wonderful. It's been an amazing chat. Yeah. It, it, I was waiting for this since January, and I'm so <laughs> glad that it finally happened. Yes. And we got to discuss two amazing poems. Yes, I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Imogen and Poets and Muses. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com, as well as via Instagram and Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. Now, besides the Poets and Muses website and SoundCloud page, you can also listen to the Poets and Muses podcast via Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, as well as Stitcher. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you continue to stay safe and healthy, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.